This is Shifron Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. It's very nearly 2011. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a new year full of new new episodes of Shift Run Stop. That's how I see it. It'll be mainly, it's mainly stretching that. out ahead of me, yep. infinitely. Um, but in this one, it's a New Year's special. Yeah, it's a um, it's a delicious medley of different things that we've managed to come up with. So we've got um, Neil Forsyth, who is a very funny humour writer, who's done these books about replying to email scammers. He's very he's, funny. He's very good, and yeah. he's, he's lovely. So I talked to him when he was doing a book signing at Foils in London. A couple of weeks ago, we appeared uh, as a segment on Radio Roundabout, yeah. uh, which was a lovely little sort of hyper-local radio station. An ethereal um, internet radio experience. Experience the old street Silicon Valley. We was, uh, we great. got to meet uh, Rodri Marsden and we mm. interviewed him and and he played his musical saw. So as a little uh, little festive treat, we're going to throw that in as well. Yeah, we didn't have much time on that, so maybe we should talk a bit about Rod- who Rodri is in case it doesn't come up in the clip. But he's um, he's a technology journalist for the Independent uh, and has been for years, so he knows loads of techie stuff. But he's also really funny and he's a musician. He's in the band Scritty Politi, yeah, and he plays the keyboards and he's just in loads of bands. And he's it's highly brilliant. highly musical. He plays pretty much every instrument there is yeah so this i tell you what this is like it's a bit like after christmas when you've had too much food and there's uh you know bits of big lumps of meat in your fridge mm. and you don't really want to cook but and you're really full anyway so you just have buffets all the time hey. imagine this episode yes. is like your your little festive buffet or like one of those um one of those programs that's on over christmas that's obviously been thrown together in like the summer <laughs> where they just get loads of people who you only vaguely sort of know who they are and then they come in and tell you something about some toys they liked when they were children it's just like it's that. that sort of thing I'm in Foyle's secret meeting room Hall annex. Fame, Hall of Fame, yeah, with uh, with Neil Forsyth. Neil, you wrote a book called Delete This at Your Peril recently yeah. and um, another book, and you've already written some previous books. <laughs> tell, us about, <laughs> tell us about all the books you've written. Right. Well, I've written four books. My first one was called Other People's Money, and it was the true story of the Scottish credit card fraudster Elliot Castro. Mm-hmm. Second book was a novel called Let Them Come Through, which was largely about a guy called Nick Santini, who was a, a medium psychic type character. And then I've written two books around the character of Bob Servant, who's a fictional uh, protagonist I created from Dundee. He's uh, a 62 year old window cleaner and uh, man about town, I think he'd probably describe himself as. Um, tell us about the replying to spammers. Did you solicit spam in any way or did you just reply to ones that you already found? Yeah, I essentially did solicit them because I, I wanted to get uh, lots of these conversations going. Mm. So I, what I did was if you essentially find loads of kind of old school websites that people have made that have still got guest books on them, yes. yeah. you know, <laughs> which was a kind of quaint thing that people first did. It's a great metaphor for the website, uh, the internet, sorry, that people start websites, a little guest book, think they'd have these charming little messages from <laughs> people on the Reddit and they just got bombarded with the bollocks from spammers. So, yeah. But basically, if you put something on these guest books with your email address, spammers essentially harvest uh-huh. addresses from them. So I would just sign up to... 20 uh, guest books and say great site and then have Bob Servant's email address mm. and within days I'd be yeah get absolutely bombarded and then once you start replying through osmosis I think you just get put on some sort of watch list by the spammers yeah. or mugs list and uh, yeah see there's no problem getting getting spam 
I was really surprised reading it. How um, well, I suppose my main surprise was that they're real people. Like, just, yeah. sort of, it doesn't even occur to you. These guys writing like, "I am the Prince of yeah, Africa," yeah. and you sort of think, "Well, that's just a machine generating well, all that rubbish." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's very generic. The first email mm. you get is always very generic. Right. So I think that that kind of depersonalizes it, um, and you, and you so you, you kind of get away from the idea that someone's behind it. But I would just reply to all of them with a kind of standard reply of sounds great tell me more sort of thing so and that very quickly weeds out the people that are kind of farming these things and then you start to get down to individuals Mm. Um, (laughs) and usually it takes two or three emails to get past their kind of generic cut and paste jobs and Mm. then you'll get then you suddenly get a reply that will refer specifically so Bob will have said he was out the bowling club and you'll suddenly get a reply four emails in that will say tell me more about the bowling and you're just (laughs) punching the air because you're Suddenly, you've got a direct route to some some spammer somewhere in the world. Usually, the exchanges would end in great bewilderment or anger <laughs> yeah. um, from the spammers, and, and and it was one that I really enjoyed. Where at the end, myself as Bob, I'd said something so ridiculous that it was pretty obvious it was joking, and the spammer wrote back, "Oh, I knew you were joking from the start," mm. and then had a, this beautiful little exchange where I kind of said, "So yeah, I mean." Do, do a lot of people fall for this yeah. and where are you actually from and the guy told me where he was actually from which I think was Malaysia and again yeah it kind of almost went through the mechanics of the business side of the spammers mm. yeah, some people fall for it you know it was it was great and then it was a very kind of warm send a side off it was like, all the best <laughs> see you later yeah. you can pal out yeah, absolutely nice. <laughs> yeah, a new pal the other mm. thing with that was there was a Russian Brides. So I spoke to a lot of these internet Russian brides mm. and most of them are just complete nonsense and it's uh, some guy who's nicking photos off the off the internet i mean you yeah. get you'd get these photos and it'd be like a woman saying here i am at the shops and it's just very clearly a catalog <laughs> photo of a woman draped over <laughs> draped over a pillar or something you know and it's like but then this one woman sent and she sent a few photos of herself she's kind of very attractive voluptuous russian woman and uh and again i thought it was a guy that just using these photos and i sent a photo i think uh she said give me a photo of you and i sent this photo of a, an old man holding a fish yeah. and said i've just been out fishing and she wrote back and said, um, "Oh, yeah, thanks for your photo. Do you like mine?" And it was just her sitting at a kind of chair. And I didn't, really th- I didn't fully appreciate it at first. And then I looked closer, and what she'd done was, uh, on the computer behind yeah. her, she had my photo of the guy holding a fish. And that's when it's, you know, a bit of a kind of head fuck, really. And you think, God, that is actually, it is this woman. Yeah. It, she is sitting at her house at her desk sending me these emails. And then you start to feel a bit guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, luckily, within a few emails, her granny will be dying, and she needs fifty grand, yeah, and then yeah. that kind of eases your pain. But yeah, they're all one-on-one exchanges in, in the book. Yeah, it's strange when you think about it, especially when you take into account that I'm a little bit ashamed to say that some of them went on for months. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, there's no indication in the book of how long they went on uh, for. Yeah, Is it, it all was over? My embarrassment, yeah. probably. It was actually one exchange where that I emailed them on Christmas Day. I mean, that is that says much more about me than it does about them. Yeah, I think you say they're one on one, but I quite liked it when they when they come back as a different character. It's yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Well, oh, I, I need I need a lawyer. Oh, I know a lawyer. And then yeah. I'll get an email from the same email address. <laughs> Using the same syntax. Hello, I am barrister. Yeah, so I, yeah, so I hear you need help. I mean, by the end, invariably, it's Bob talking and talking and talking. <laughs> the emails yeah. tend to get longer and longer. On yeah, there, yeah. and then there's always story. one corker. There's always yeah. one email I write that's just... It'll take me hours and I'll be usually boozing and just <laughs> laughing to myself. And, uh, there are some that go on for pages oh, and pages. Yeah, and, I know. and then the next gone. day, and I'll copy myself <laughs> in and I'll fucking finally send it at like midnight 
I wake up the next day and I go, oh, Christ, and I open up my inbox. It's almost like when you send an email at night when you're embarrassed or you text <laughs> someone when you're drunk. And it's a spammer. And I get, what have I said? And then, yeah, and then I'll read it in the morning and it'll just be a stream of total gibberish. But yeah, it usually works out quite well. But it's a case of something happening and the spammer reacting to it. And that's when it mm. gets funny. Because then, then, then they come out of their persona of the spammer and they're just reacting. Yeah. So actually they will get angry, you know, which is kind of absurd that they'll get yeah. angry with you <laughs> when they're trying to get money from you after a month of asking. But that's how far kind of Bob can push them mm. is that they will actually get angry with them. And yeah. It's brilliant when they get angry. I mean, that's kind of pay dirt, really when they just get furious. There was a great line from one of the Russian women. It was at the very end, I think, can't remember, I think Bob tried to give her an ostrich and then there was yeah. some sort of issue and she just wrote something like, fuck you, to me. It didn't mean, it was, it was illiteral, but it was just <laughs> perfect. It said, to me that has bothered to read your delirium. That's what yeah, it said. Yeah. And that was it. That was just a one-liner. I think I might even have replied and got nothing back. She just shunned me. Yeah. She was so, yeah. She's she was, locked you yeah, spam. She, <laughs> yeah. She's basically deleting me without reading. <laughs> it's snack time. We've got the internet's Lee Maguire with us again. Hello, Lee. Hello again. And he's, uh, I, I must say, a seamless replacement for Dave. Yeah, what's your back, Dave? You can call me Dave if it makes you feel <laughs> if it makes you feel more comfortable. Just for a I, while. I, I can just put on a more booming voice. That's, quite good, actually. <laughs> That's a very good impression. Just during the transition period. We've got some chocolate bars from America. Uh, the lovely Nick Sweeney was in the oh. UK a couple of weeks ago, and he bought with him the Mars bar, the Milky Way bar, and another one that I've heard of but not seen before called The Three Musketeers. Mm. This is in response to our regular discussions of is a Mars bar in the UK the same as a Milky Way in the US? Well, The, the Three Musketeers is in fact what we understand to be a Milky Way. Oh, that's oh. goodness. That's the relevance. You see. Oh my goodness. The, the Three Musketeers is what we would call the Milky Way. The Milky Way is what we would call a Mars bar. And the Mars is what we would call an almond Mars bar. Of course, we did give some credence to the American name uh, for the marathon bar by... Uh, by renaming it Snickers in the UK, if you can remember the controversy I remember that. Of, of the 90s. Yes. There was an outcry, and then everyone just forgot. And yeah, same on with Opal crying. Fruits. Everyone was up in arms, there was going to be riots. <laughs> although, although, however, the Twix, at least in Europe, was known as the Raider Bar, and mm. uh, Twix is the name that has been, uh, has been carried on ah. in various countries. So, you know, there was some... There was a little bit that we clawed back. Yeah. Okay, so introduce us to these in whatever order you. I think you we like. should start with the three musketeers because it's a little bit, little bit lighter. I imagine it says on the side a lighter way to enjoy chocolate. It also says forty-five percent less fat, <laughs> than <laughs> which, than, which than previously. If I was a, if I had previously been eating a lot of three musketeers, that's the sort of thing that might worry me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looks like a massive giant Milky Way. It's almost as big as a Milky Way should be. It's a lot more cocoa powdery yeah. than, than we would uh, Yeah, the texture of the nougat stuff is different. Yeah, so it's... I think it's better. Whilst it visually, and uh, in terms of texture, is very similar to the Milky Way, it's it's clearly different. Mm. Did anyone ever roll up Milky Ways to make you look like dog poos? <laughs> <laughs> ever done that? <laughs> Surely not just, just my school. <laughs> like dog poos. <laughs> they really do, though. It's brilliant. Right, and now the American Milky Way, which I say is Mars bar, but uh, but Rue has some disagreement. Well, I was distraught a couple of years ago when Mars reduced the amount of chocolate and caramel in the Mars bar, yeah, increasing the ratio of nougat. Yes, and which is the least favourite. Yeah, that's the, the worst bit it's of the it. Filler. 
The reason for doing this was because women were intimidated by the Mars bar. <laughs> right. And they needed something a bit lighter and a bit less filling. Uh, and so as a result, Britain now has a sort of slightly more girly Mars bar. Now, mm. the American Milky Way, yeah. I can now confirm, since having watched you slice into it, has a really good percentage of caramel in it. That's like one third caramel. It's super dense. Yeah. Right. It's, mm. it's I, heavy. I, I, this looks like how I remember Mars bars. Oh, yeah, this is like from being a child, a small child. There's as much caramel mm. in there mm. as there is nougat, mm. and, and also a really good mm. thick slab of chocolate around the outside as well. Pretty much tastes like a Mars bar. Mm. Nice. In your head, you have an idea of why it was called Milky Way, don't you? You think like, well, it's because it's like white and fluffy, like the milk of the, in the sky, <laughs> like Mars. <laughs> I don't know about Mars, but I don't know. It's it's destroyed that for me a bit. This revelation. What, knowing that it, it goes under a different name? Yeah, just, so, it could just be called anything. This is a, uh, a 58 gram bar, wow. this, Milky Way, this Milky Way. Now, I, I'm going to have to check, but I think uh, Mars bars are, are down to about 48 grams now, something like that. Mm. I imagine they're much, much lighter. This is good. Mm. Makes me want to live in America. Mm. Do you think they can make a living off it? Uh, the African spammers, it's, it's, it's very well known that in Nigeria there's an industry um, of spam emailers. And, uh, I mean, it's cracked down, I think, in the last couple of years, but certainly you, you could go to Lagos and there was internet cafes that were run almost like um, reminiscent of a call centre. Oh, and wow. there'd be someone in charge and everyone else just spamming away. And when they get a, when they get a bite, they pass it up the chain mm. and they've got their kind of guru at the top. They're interesting people, fraudsters. I think uh, with Elliot, I mean, with Elliot Castro, he just wanted to get money, and there was re- psychological reasons behind that, and it made mm. sense. But mediums and psychics are—they are—I find them absolutely intriguing. Mm. Uh, I don't find there's no mystery in what they do because what they do is, 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 is you know, it's is fabricated, but it's a talent, and it's a learned talent, and it's quite interesting to watch how they do it. But again, interest kind of wanes over that for a while. And then, but where the real interest is is how 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 does someone end up doing that? And I just find that. Incredible. But you, you also interviewed Gary McKinnon. Yeah, Did Gary. Did you meet him in person? Yeah, yeah, I met Gary a couple of times. He, he um, yeah, I interviewed Gary for a for an American magazine, and I think that was the first time his story had been covered in America, mm. other than the kind of sensationalist mm. stuff based on the senators' quotes that they're given at the time. And I think, and, and it certainly, I think, helped spread a lot of awareness in the states. He's a lovely guy, Gary. Did you get the sense that? Um, he was a bumbling complete computer nerd, as he always claims. Or did he seem a bit a bit cleverer than? Yeah, he was no, I think I can see why he'd say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh, I, confu- I got confused. Yeah. Uh, Before I knew it, I was in the yeah. One thing, yeah, kind of one thing led to another. No, I think he. Uh, Not yeah. to anyone, really. Yeah. No, I think he's extremely intelligent. Yeah. But the um, I don't think there was any maliciousness maliciousness in his intent. No. So your um, delete this at your peril is being adapted for radio, which seems like a strange, well, a good idea, but yeah, like, it's hard to imagine. No, yeah, it's, it's actually worked really well. It's adapted for radio, uh, six 15-minute episodes. Mm. Each episode is one of the exchanges from the book. We've got Brian Cox playing Bob, Hollywood's Brian Cox playing Dundee's Bob Servant. Right. Uh, he brought, Brian Cox is from Dundee uh-huh. originally, so... We managed to tempt him into that. Uh, and then we've got a fantastic cast of Felix Dexter, who plays the African Spammers, and a few other characters. Uh, Laura Solon, who won the Perry Award a few years ago. She plays the Russian brides. 
um, and a guy Lewis McLeod who just impressions and various other bits and pieces and he came in and did some voices and Sanjeev Kohli who's a Scottish actor who played an Indian spammer in the exchange which in the book is called Willie's Chinese Palace right. and on radio is called Willie's Indian Palace because we realised that <laughs> someone having a crack at a Chinese accent over 50 minutes <laughs> could be quite objectionable <laughs> so Throwing my artistic sensibilities aside, I crossed out Chinese or Indian. And that was uh, that was it. That's all I needed to do. Did you start doing it before you had the book deal? Yeah. As just a weird hobby? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I was doing it off my own back. I was twisted. Just so much time I don't know if I'd admit to that. I think I would just go, no, yeah, I pitched it as an idea. I was idea. saying that. I was thinking, <laughs> I don't know why. I could have easily lied there. And there doesn't seem to be a baiting spam at all. So, I mean... People do seem to, to fall for it. And there's, there's still, the stories will pop up every few months. Mm. It's always a postie. It's always a postman from Harrogate or something like that. And they've sent 100 grand to like a, oh. a Russian bride. And it's kind of heartbreaking stories. But they kind of get... I mean, they don't start off by sending 100 grand. You know, they're like any mm. kind of conman. It'll start off with a bit small. And then I think it's almost an addictive thing for these people. Because they've, they've sent so much money to this mm. person. They can't possibly face the fact that they might not exist you know so kind of just keep plugging away at it what I loved was the ones that would start off incredibly proud and like there's a Russian guy who starts off say I am the head so the Russian bride would kind of hook you in and then he says I'm the head of the agency Mm. and he was just being so short tempered at the beginning because he thought Bob was 100% down for sending the money for this woman and he's saying, look, I really don't have time to answer your emails. Sometimes he'd just be arsy, just for no reason, just almost like bullying Bob. <laughs> so that's obviously, I thought, this is brilliant. So by the end, I had this guy agreeing to come to Dundee and live <laughs> in Bob's dustbin because Bob didn't think it'd be appropriate for him to live in the house. It was brilliant. Just seeing his pride tumble across a process of about 10 emails. So um, what uh, what's coming up in 2011 for Bob Servant and Neil Forsyth? Well, I'm currently writing my second novel, but that is coming out for Random House probably early 2012, actually, which is provisionally called San Carlos. But Bob Servant should have a busy year next year, hopefully. Um, hoping for a second series of the radio, possible to have another book. Neil, it's been great talking to you. I was going to call you Bob then, but of course... <laughs> yes, that, that does happen. Person. Thanks for having me. Computers. To complete the set, then, the American Mars bar. So the American Mars bar, which has the familiar Mars-style logo on it. Is that a nut on it? Is that an almond on it? It's an almond, mm. because the American Mars bar is has only been seen in a, in a sort of British form as the almond Mars bar. Mm. Oh, it's sort of like um, a Snickers, but with almonds ah. instead of peanuts, and that's white. It's a very a, a much lighter nougat from, mm. from memory, yeah. So this this has has the softness that we expect from a Mars bar. Mm. So maybe in America, the almond Mars is the uh, female friendly uh, version be, of, yeah. of, of the Milky Way. Yeah, women, Milky women Way. do love almonds as well. I, I did not know that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. They they like almond butter. They'll rub it on themselves. It's a bit like um, a topic. Yeah, maybe that's the closest thing that we can describe mm. it as, mm. like a topic, mm. which is quite girly. Mm. I think uh, I think the American Milky Way is my favourite thing. I think? I think it's a bit too much. I, do I don't want to sound say? girly. Yeah, but uh, that's a very dense bar. Mm. Like <laughs> You've got a big it. grin on your face. <laughs> well, thanks, Nick Sweeney.
And now I'm very pleased and proud to announce an exclusive Christmas special episode of Shift Run Stop. This is Shift Run Stop. It's a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. This is really exciting. Hello. It's a live radio show. <laughs> hello, Ayla. Hello, Internet. Hi, Rue. I haven't seen you for ages. Oh, it's been a whole week. It's been more than a week. Is it? Yeah. Don't tell where it's that, though. Okay. They don't know. Magic of radio. So, we've got Rodri Marsden today. <gasps> I know. Off the internet. Rodri. Very pleased to be in the room. Hello, Rodri. People will know you from being a, I don't know, a journalist, yeah. uh, a musician, yeah. a bald man. Bald? Balding? That's really Steady vicious. On. I mean, Steady on, <laughs> to, to plunge me into self-loathing within, <laughs> within 45 seconds is uh, deeply, deeply cruel. Um, and, and it's true, when, you see, when I see photos of myself, I do seem to be incredibly bald, but I like to think that I have more hair than I have. Okay. It's just a high forehead, I think. When I look in the mirror, I deliberately position my head to try and maximise what I think is hair coverage, but it's, yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's foolish. You're very youthful, Rodri. Yes. You're baby face. Yeah, keep, yeah. keep the compliments coming in. It's true, it's true. Do you think we shouldn't turn the music off? It's... Just oh, yeah. feels that, like it's going to carry job? on forever. Oh, I don't oh, oh, we've killed that now. It's That's good. good. I'm enjoying it, but you know. Can I, can I interrupt? Yes. Almost before you ask me anything, and just say that, that the, the song that was just playing there was "Wombling Merry Christmas" by mm-hmm. the Wombles, and I have a cassette of me singing that when I was singing along to it when I was oh. when I was four years old, and it's it's one it's it's like a, it's a clip that I post on Twitter every so often when I when I want women to think that I'm cute. Oh. <laughs> and uh, but I but Mike Bat is also on Twitter, who's the who's the voice and the brains behind the wombles mm. so I, I I sent him the clip and he and he sent a very complimentary uh, comment back so that was a, that was a oh, great moment for me that's lovely yeah anyway. oh we should sell that tape on the show somehow there's yeah. a copy of it well I'll just well, I tell you what how about I press up several thousand copies and, and then and then we just make just loads of money yes it's a plan <laughs> so Rodri um you have been uh to, well you talked at boring conference which was um last week I think yeah it was on Saturday it was upstairs at the Dominion theater above yeah. we will rock you yeah um and it was a great day actually mm-hmm. uh, and obviously by calling it boring 2010 that they massively uh un- underplayed the audience expectations which I quite, <laughs> actually quite liked but there was there was just a, a load of stuff that was really really um Fascinating through it being mundane. Do you know mm. what I mean? So I was talking about uh, cricket, mm. specifically draws in Test match cricket. Yeah, that sounds quite boring. But is your do you know? Do you have a do you make a case that it's actually not as boring as you'd think, or do you have to kind of give in? Well, it, no, it, it can be incredibly boring. Mm. There's no there's no doubt about that at all. But I was trying to make the case that there are there's there's some f- fascinating psychology about it because when when two teams are really really trying one's really trying to win and the other one's trying not trying not to lose uh you just get if they manage it if they get away with it if the team who are losing get away with it suddenly they feel like they've won and the the team that was almost winning suddenly comes away as the the loser Mm. so there's this weird flip that happens and i I played a video clip of a of an ashes test from last summer Uh, it's just really funny because at the end there's there's nothing happening no one's scoring any runs and no one's taking any wickets uh, at all but the crowd are going mental (laughs) and so there's just like this yeah and then then at the end the commentator just screams the test match is drawn as if it's as if it's this just incredible incredible triumph Mm. and how long does a test match take to oh it's five days it's five days oh my god 
So, um, but, but over that time, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of ebb and flow. And, um, uh, you know, it's interesting. If you immerse yourself, I think that's the thing about all these things at this boring conference. Mm. If you immerse yourself in something that's notionally boring, then interesting, interesting stuff will come out of it. Yeah. Like there was a guy there, Peter Fletcher, who's, who's written down yeah. every time he sneezed. He's been on our show. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, he, he was talking about that. And James Ward, who, who, who ran the conference, was, uh, was discussing, was, I was talking to him about this, and he was saying, if you ask Peter Fletcher after he'd like after he'd written down for four or five sneezes, mm. generally, what do you what are you doing? I'm writing down my sneezes. Oh, how long have you been doing this? A week. You'd mm. think that he was weird, but when he's done it for four <laughs> years, it suddenly becomes really, really almost noble, almost heroic. Uh, and it's the same with people like Robert Opie, who do the who do the um, uh, the Museum of Packaging out in yeah, West London. You yeah. know, because there would have been a time where he had he just had like, like six six cereal. And his, his mum would yeah. be, why have you got six empty cereal packets in your room? <laughs> And he would have said, well, they're nothing. Don't want to talk about <laughs> the difficult first bit of the collection. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the great thing about Peter is that um, he's like he, he has a lovely writing style and he records each sneeze with a record of what he was doing at the time and it becomes this kind of, you know, like insight into his life. And like, well, uh, what was it? And he, and he was saying that it's kind of, um, it's interesting because if you record every time you do something like sneeze, you would get this record of like clearing out loads of dusty cupboards and having a cold. <laughs> it's like yeah. it seems like that's your yeah. It's like a very very life. brief diary, a very, very mm. brief diary thing. The most interesting thing about uh, his talk, or one of the most interesting things, was uh, he got to nine hundred ninety nine sneezes, mm. and up until that point, he'd been sneezing every once or twice. Uh, sorry, once or twice every day, mm. um, and then it got to nine hundred ninety nine, and then he didn't sneeze for eleven days. So, <laughs> such, such was the expectation uh, of the thousandth sneeze, and I, so that, that was quite that was interesting. One of the talks at Boring was about um, tasting milk or something I saw on uh, Yeah, Ed Ross. Uh, I he, like the idea of that, that, that milk does really need to be tasted and checked. And It absolutely does not need to be tasted. <laughs> no, there is nothing, there's no such thing as brand loyalty with milk. And uh, But that was that was kind of the point. And, mm. and he, but he was, he, and it was quite theatrical because he had wine, he was doing it out of wine glasses. Oh, nice, yeah. Uh, and he was doing um, food, food match, he was doing cereal matching for each... Uh, you know, like food matching with <laughs> what wine. you would have with this sort exactly. of exactly. So Weetabix and kind of milk and so on. It was no, it was, it was vastly entertaining, and um, you know, it sold out two hundred tickets pretty mm. quickly, and um, and there was you know more or less a standing ovation at the end. So you okay. can't say more than that. And a plan for one next year, you think? Apparently so. Excellent. Apparently so. Exciting. Um, shall we have a sting? Let's do a sting. Let's, let's, uh, that's listen that's out, the listeners. traditional thing to do when you're going to start one. We don't one. usually um, lead, them, lead up to them with quite such a drama, but let's... Here comes a sting. <laughs> Hello, this is Simon out of Trev and Simon. Sorry Trev can't be here today, but he's dead. This is Shifter on Stop. He was really apologetic after he did that. He was. He made us record a long version where he... <laughs> where he said <laughs> he's edited, in prison. We edited that off. No, we like the one where he's dead. It's better. Yeah, because he is actually dead as well. We probably, for now, had enough stuff from the states, unless you mm. find something really surprising. Oh my goodness! Well, we just seem to have done the states a lot. We're calling time on it now. I think maybe temporarily. If you do live in America, go to a foreign supermarket. Like Liz Henry did a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and she sent us all that amazing Mexican stuff. What I'd quite like. I don't know if we've got any listeners in Japan, but I don't think we've ever mm. had Japanese sweets. One of my favourite things about um, uh, the Japanese sweets is not so much the sort of native kind of Pocky-esque Japanese sweets, but the many, many varieties of Kit Kats <laughs> that, they, that they have in Japan. Ah. They are mad on Kit Kats. The reason being is that the phrase Kit Kat is very similar to a Japanese phrase, meaning roughly good luck. Ah. So people buy Kit Kats as presents 
to say good luck for oh. um, graduation or exams, wow. that sort of thing. And it's taken on its own industry of fa- of the basically the fancy variety Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. If you want a lovely packaged mint tea Kit Kat, that sort of thing you can obtain mm. in Japan. If anyone's got a Japanese Kit Kat with um, special Japanese packaging, send it in. I'm in computers. I'm in the mainframe. I'm in your headphones. I think we should go back to Rodri and ask him about what he's been writing this year because he is a journalist. He writes the Technology Conference <coughs> Independent. I do, is yeah. Is it called the I now? Or is that a different thing? It's, What's two, the it's two papers Explain. that run concurrently. You have okay. the iPaper and you have the Independent, and mm. the iPaper is like the Independent Light, L-I-T-E, I imagine, mm. I suppose. It's 20p. It's 20p. The Independent's a pound. Um, I'm not sure you know, whether it's a, f- a fifth of the content. I don't know whether it works out exactly in comparison to the amount that you pay. I don't comment as well on the news for The Independent. Like They ring up and they say, oh, there's this technology story. Can you, can you do a little yeah. accompanying thing? And, and, and the phone has just rung a lot this year. And that's not to do with me boasting about having lots of work. But it's kind mm-hmm. of indicative that, 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 that you know, Facebook and Twitter and Apple and Google, almost scarcely a week went by where there wasn't some big news story related to it and if it was Facebook and Twitter it was almost always about this this idea of etiquette this idea of social etiquette that people aren't really don't really know how to use these tools that they're, that they're suddenly very excited about and so you get these weird situations where like 50 cent uh, announces to like one and a half million people that he's watching some really great pornography <laughs> uh, and you just think well, what and then you know and then you've got um, civil servants sounding off about their employers and notably of course uh, a man <clears throat> expressing his frustration with the weather by by threatening to blow up an airport, famously. And so you've got all this stuff where people are just hugely, hugely confused. They, they don't really know don't really know what they're doing. And uh, maybe we need some kind of handbook, some kind of, um, you know, mm. old Victorian-style etiquette manual with little diagrams or something that would be, uh, you know, I think that might be a good idea. Hey, pitch it. Yeah, well, well I, I, I have and no one likes it. Oh. But, I, but I can share it with you. Yeah. That's all right. This, this somehow validates it now that, now that I'm kind of getting this off my chest. Consider this as, as, as like a really bad five-minute book pitch for something that will never get written. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, th- I don't know. People just don't seem to grasp very simple stuff like uh, you are being listened to. Mm. You know, people can't, you know. So celebs will tweet stuff and they won't understand that the Daily Mail are listening. Or even if the Daily Mail aren't listening, there are several thousand people who will tell the Daily Mail and so on. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's just this maelstrom of unhinged lunacy. And of course, you've got the um, the viciousness of anonymity as well. Yeah. I mean, you must have yeah. experienced that horrible thing where people just turn up under some awful pseudonym in, in the comment section of your blog and uh, refer to you as a... Piss weasel. <laughs> Rotary's <laughs> looking at me quite intently, as though, yeah, I mean, yeah, that has happened to me. That's true. Yeah, but it must have. I mean, it must have happened to you as well, Rotary. Oh yeah, uh, free, no, actually, I don't get it very often. But when I do, I get really, really upset by it. Um, I, I can't. I think I care too much about what people think oh. about me. And when and when I do get comments on Twitter saying you're an idiot, I, I, I just absolutely consumed with grief about it. Yeah. I can't, can't, I can't bear it. So I try and be really nice on the internet and I think it's something more people should be nice to Rodri listeners if you follow him on Twitter which you should because he's very funny well not just me just be nice to everyone but mainly Rodri because he's especially sensitive Rodri can you play us something on your instrument that you've brought just to play us out because we're being we're we're having to wrap up now I'm afraid it's already over no problem Um, okay look Um, this is a little Christmas tune okay 
Um, I'm going to have to take my headphones off. So. You, you go for it. We'll, we'll explain what you're doing. Okay. So, Roger plays the musical saw. And, and the musical saw is a lot like the, uh, the regular saw. It's not working. Oh, no. Oh. It was working so well earlier on. Keep talking. Keep talking. The musical saw is a lot like the regular saw, except it doesn't have any teeth on it. Um, and yeah, he's going to play. He's going to play a Christmas jingle on it with a bow. This is beautiful already. Okay. think that the Ghostbusters films are Christmassy and I think it might just be because the stave puff marshmallow man looks a bit like a snowman. <laughs> it true. might come down to that. I oh. actually I, I expect that when it was first on at telly on the telly it would have been at Christmas I back in the day. Out, yeah. actually, I think it, when it came out in the cinemas it came out during the Christmas period in mm. the mid 80s. So I had some some transfer stickers of uh, Ghostbusters characters which I put onto my lunchbox. Oh. Maybe the car? That would make sense wouldn't it? Car, Slimer. Ecto-1. Was that the number plate? Yes. That's good. He's a proper geek, isn't he? That's, that's a good fact. What other number plates do we know? <laughs> oh, Outer uh, Time. Outer, outer time. time, very good. You'll know this one. Trust no one is Mulder's. Oh, no, Outer Time so, is only the number plate on the poster, though, isn't it? Didn't we determine that mm. the in, actually in the film it's different? Yes, I think you're right. There are two. Yeah. Uh, okay, this needs some. I'll need to go go back to the DVD. Uh, I was quizzing somebody else about this the other day. The call sign of the Enterprise. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Uh, NCC 1701. Oh, he knows that's it. That's right. I think, did Dave oh, get... Was, Dave well, got it depends, well, yeah. do you mean which, which Enterprise? Oh, no. <laughs> there are more than one. <laughs> yes, it, well, you know, not only in, like, the main universe, but there are also multiple oh, my God. different universes. He can stay. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned your stripes. I don't, know, I don't know any other... Well, I suppose that is, in a way, the number plate of... Yeah. Starship Enterprise. I think it's... If it had a number plate... <laughs> I'm trying to think of other number plates in things. Alan Sugar's number plate is AMS1. Oh. oh, that's good. Yeah. You see that oh. every week in The Apprentice, which has just finished. What kind of car has he got? It's a Rolls Royce. Paul Daniels' number plate is magic with a one instead of an eye. That's cool. Yeah. No, that's magic. <sighs> <laughs> Hello, you. This is Ian Lee, and you're listening to Shift Run Stop on, like, an iPod or maybe a cassette... Goodbye to 2010, and thank you, loyal listener, for, mm. for making it so special. It's been a good year for Chiffron Stop. I can't believe we've been doing this for over a year. It seems like insanity. It's a strange feeling, isn't it? Mm. I'm really enjoying it. I hope you are. Yeah, I am too. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's weird that it's our second Christmas. We actually had some Christmas cards the first year. <laughs> that's, so, you know, that's, that's all stopped. If that's an indication of the success. <laughs> Alice made us one, didn't she? It was lovely. Mm. I've still got the envelope. Oh, you kept the card, I, get the I kept card? the envelope. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was like a divorce. We had, yeah. we had a little settlement. We got half each. The envelope was, I mean, it's not just that Rue got a bit of paper. She had drawn on the That was an amazing it was, envelope, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was, it was beautiful. It was very good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, guests coming up in 2011. We should leave it at that. Some people said about six months ago, come back to us next year. And we sort of went, oh, I know what that means, but we're actually going to. <laughs> 1st of January, 1201. We're going to email about six go people. Out. Yes. Really good people. Yeah, so there'll be loads of brilliant guests. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everyone.